stand to read the word. And I want to just continue tonight in the colossal Christ of Colossians. That's a tongue twister. I want you to say it fast with me, can you? One, two, three. The colossal Christ. I messed up. Let's try it again. The colossal Christ of Colossians. We're talking about who Jesus is. I'll tell you why. Because our Savior is under attack in our culture. Uh, you, know, you know why I teach the Word? I was talking to a pastor uh, on the phone before I came tonight. And I said, hey, what are you teaching on? He said, well, I'm teaching on thus and so. And I said, I'm teaching on the colossal Christ of Colossians. He said, wow, that sounds good. And I said, it is good because it's all about Jesus. And let me tell you why we're doing it. Why I put these verses up here and why I lead you along where you can see it. Because I don't want you to fall. I don't want you to get deceived. I don't want you to be influenced by a culture that is in a free fall away from God. I want you to be established in him, rooted and grounded in him. And I want you to be growing up into him in all things. I don't want it to be over with until you have reached the fullness of the stature of Christ. I want you to grow into full maturity. I want you to walk in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith. I want you to be fruity, fruity, fruity in a good way. I want you... I want you to be influential everywhere you go for Jesus Christ. And so every preacher, and I told this pastor this, every pastor needs to be teaching Jesus, needs to be teaching the Word. i got nothing better to tell you than the Word. So we're going to look tonight at what He has done for us. I told you that in Colossians, it's all about Jesus. Colossians was, was written uh, by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it was written to counter apostasy and heresy. There was an attack in the first century against the person of Jesus, actually against the deity of Jesus Christ, who he really was. So Paul wrote Colossians to answer it. So you've got two important phrases repeated over and over again. He is, and he tells us several things that Jesus is, and then he has several things he has done for you and me. Now we covered the he is's and last week we dealt with a he has and tonight I'm going to deal with a he has. What did he do? He translated us. Powerful. So look what it says. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, can you breathe a prayer with me? Lord, speak to us tonight. Help us to be very wise in who Jesus is. Give us understanding only the Spirit can give. Quicken us as only the Spirit can quicken us. May the great teacher of the church, the Holy Ghost, open the understanding of our spirit. Open our eyes and help us to see the width and the breadth and the height and the depth of Jesus and who it is who has saved us, and what he did for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. I receive your word. Amen. Well, you can be seated. God bless you. And let's look at this. He's translated us. Now, last time we saw that God has rescued us. How many of you know you're rescued? How many of you know that you didn't go out one day and, say, and get a brilliant idea and say, well, I think today... Being in a philosophical frame of mind, I'm just going to go find Jesus. Do you realize that you didn't find him? Do you realize he found you? How many of you realize Jesus found you? And so when he found you, he rescued you. You are a rescue. We have five dogs at my house. I know that's a lot of dogs. 
I know that, and I know it sounds kind of weird. It's not weird. My son moved back in for a little while, and he brought two with him. But every dog we've got is a rescue. We went to the pound and rescued every one of them. You know why? Because if they hadn't been rescued, they would have perished. They'd have been put down. Guess what? If the Lord hadn't touched you and rescued you, you'd have perished. You would have perished. We are all rescues. Amen? Now, uh, we saw that he has rescued us from what? The power, that incredible oppressive power of the kingdom of darkness, and he did it through the victory of his son. Now, let's look at a second. He has tonight. He has not only rescued us, but he has translated us. Where? Into what everyone preached to me, the kingdom of his dear son. Now, watch God's way. God rescued us from that he might take us to. He took us out so he could put us in. He doesn't just rescue you and leave you hanging in limbo. He rescues you out of something that he might place you into something. Now, translated comes from a Greek word that means to be turned away from one thing in order to be turned toward another. He translated us. He turned us from one thing. What was it? The power of darkness. And that power had you in its grip, had me in its grip. He translated us. He turned us away from that. And he turned us toward the kingdom of his dear son. We Christians have been turned away from, plucked out of the kingdom of this present darkness. And turned toward the fulfilling life experienced in the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that powerful? Aren't you glad he plucked you out? Don't you remember the day you got saved? I mean, I can remember my, my spiritual birthday as well as I remember anything. I was in such darkness, such gross darkness. And then suddenly the light of the gospel pierced my heart and I got saved. And it was a matter of turning me away from that darkness so that he could turn me toward his brilliant light. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people that you might show forth the praises of him who did what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you got called out so that you could get called in. Praise God. And so if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you have left the darkness of this world. You're no longer a part of the darkness of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. Heard a preacher last night say, he said, I did what they said I did, but I'm not who they say I am. See, because he changes you. And so I want you to say with me, I've been rescued out of darkness and translated into another kingdom, the kingdom of God's dear son. And it's the kingdom of light. Now, this is God's way. It's always God's way to turn you from one thing so that he can turn you towards another. There's so many things you and I are never going to have unless we learn to walk away from something. Now, let me tell you something about you and me. A lot of the time, the measure and the strength of our commitment is revealed in what we're willing to walk away from. And I want to just... Uh, let me introduce you to how God deals with you and me. He knocks on the door of our heart, and he says, I want to do something new in your life, and I want to do something powerful and wonderful. 
But for that to happen, you're going to have to walk away from so that I can carry you to. It may be friends that are not good for you. It may be a relationship that compromises your faith. It may be a habit that is dragging you down. You know what it is because when the Holy Ghost comes into our life, he comes in as a divine meddler. And he meddles. And he meddles in a good way. And what he does is, this is going to have to be put down for you to take something else up. Every time. This is God's way. And that's why salvation begins with the word repentance. Can everybody say that word with me? Repentance. Let's try it again. Now, we see that as a, you know, kind of a gnarly word. Oh, repentance is rough. You know, I got to repent. I got to turn from something. But repentance is not a bad word. It's a great word. And you know what repentance means? Exactly what we've been talking about. It means to change or to turn. That's repentance. To change or to turn. So this whole idea, he translated me, took me out of darkness, that he might bring me into his light. The only way I'm going to walk in the light is if I turn from the darkness. And I do that by repentance. When a person hears the gospel and is convicted that his way of life is wrong, he must change his present behavior. This is true repentance. You know, I've been preaching a long time. I've been preaching since I was 18. That means 37 years. And I've seen something, especially pastoral preaching, 25 years. I've seen that a lot of times people are stirred. You preach a message, you can have them on their feet, hooping and hollering. They're stirred. But you know what you see when you're a pastor and you don't go anywhere? You don't blow in and blow out, but you stay. You see, they were stirred, but not changed. Now, some are changed. Thank God for the many we're seeing changed. But you see people get all stirred and emotional, but they don't change. If you get stirred and not changed, you didn't experience true repentance. Because repentance means I got stirred and I repented, I got convicted and I repented and it brought change. You can't experience repentance without turning from and turning towards. You just can't do it. And our nation needs to repent. Our country needs desperately to repent of sin because we're on a crash course. We are headed off the cliff and God only knows what is waiting for this country if it does not truly repent. It's one thing to be stirred or patriotic. It's another thing to repent. Now let me show you some things about repentance. In the kingdom of God, you cannot have your foot in two worlds. I used to preach that people needed to get off the fence until I realized there really isn't a fence. You can't have your foot in both worlds. You either in or you're out. You're in one world or you're in the other. You can't straddle the fence. There's not a fence. You're walking with God or you're not. Okay? Now, there's no experiencing, and here's the tragedy of this and, and the good news about it. There's no experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom without fully turning from all known sin. I hear people saying, Lord, please bless me. Please help me. And then I see the mess that they're in. And I say to myself, God can't bless your mess. God can help you out of a mess. But you're going to have to repent. And until you repent, the hand of God is hindered.
Now, I'm giving you good news tonight. And you know what I'm giving you? The message of the New Testament from start to finish. One of the blazing words of the New Testament and the opening salvo in the New Testament was repent. See, whatever it is that you don't want to repent of is robbing you as you sit in that chair. It's robbing you every day. If you've got something in your life that you suspect God is knocking on the door of your heart to repent about and you're not repenting, it's like having a pickpocket walk next to you every single day. And every day he's reaching into your pocket and taking your money, taking your goods, taking your keys, taking everything that is valuable to you. He's pickpocket until you repent and get the sin out. You're being robbed every day. God doesn't want to wreck your party. God wants to give you a real party. So you can't experience God's fullness without repentance. It's not going to happen. You can't come into the altar. You, you can stand in a Benny Hand line all night long. But if you don't repent, you're not going to get blessed. Are y'all with me? Uh, I'm going to preach a little bit tonight. <laughs> I, I tell you, we got greasy grace around today. Greasy grace, sloppy agape. We want our cake and eat it too. We want one foot in the world, one foot. We want to understand how close we can get to sin and still get by with it. How close can I walk around that fire? How close can I get to that flame? How deep can I dip my toe in that water and get away with it? When in fact, when you really come clean with God, the floodgates of heaven open up on your life. And God blesses you. I'm telling you, repentance is a positive word. L look at, uh, it, repentance is the doorway to God's kingdom. If there's no repentance, you're not going to experience the kingdom of God. He took me out. How did he take me out? Lord, I repent. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. I've broken your commandments, broken your laws. The Bible says if I broke one, I've broken them all. You say, well, I'm a good person, Pastor Jeff. I'm a basically good I don't get speeding tickets. I don't cuss, smoke, or chew, or run with the boys that do. I'm a good American citizen. Surely God's not mad at me. You're a sinner. You say, no, I'm not. Have you ever lied? Have you ever told one lie? Well, sure, everybody tells a little white lie every once in a while. Then the Bible says if you broke one, you broke them all. See, I'm going to grab that halo you think is over your head, and I'm going to take it down because there is none righteous. No, not one. There's not one righteous. No, not one. We have all turned aside. We are all filthy in our sins. Our righteousness, what we think makes us a basically good person, is to him as filthy rags. There's only one who ever walked this planet Without sin, his name was Jesus, and he's the only one that can save you from your sin. But to experience that, you're going to have to repent. Repentance is the cornerstone word to New Testament preaching. Jesus' debut sermon was one of repentance. Look at what Jesus said. First message out of the chute. He said from then on, Jesus began to preach. What was the first word? Say it with me. Come on, preach to me, church. He said, repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. That was Jesus' opening sermon. And the first word was repent. And again, he said this, and this one will shake you a little bit. He said, unless you repent, change your mind for the better, and heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. 
said, unless you repent, you're going to be lost eternally. Now, our culture says this to us. It doesn't matter which way you get to God. It doesn't matter how you come to God. You can come by way of Muhammad, come by way of Buddha, come by way of Confucius, come by way of Zoroaster, come by way of hugging a tree, come by way of good intentions, come by way of being a good person. God sees your heart. That's not true. Not according to Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There's only one blood that was shed to wash away our sins, and it was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to know why God's blessing our church, because we're not going to give up on that message, because that is the New Testament. If you get rid of that, you have no Bible. And so Jesus said, you're going to have to repent. And what does that mean? Turn from. Walk away from the sins in your life, or you will perish eternally. Jesus said that. The disciples, they followed suit when they first began preaching. It says, quote, so the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. Everybody they met, they said, you need to repent of your sins and turn to God. That was their message. John the Baptist's message was one of repentance. It says in Matthew 3, verse 8, Prove by the way you live, said John the Baptist, that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. You say you've repented, let me see the fruits of repentance. Because John knew if you've really repented, it's going to show up in your life. There's going to be a change. All right, let's go on. Paul said of John the Baptist's ministry, Paul, looking back, spoke about John's ministry and said, John's baptism called for what, everyone? repentance from sin that was john's ministry and what was john john's calling and his purpose it was to blaze a trail for the lord jesus christ and how did he blaze that trail telling them you better repent of your sin and prepare your heart and get ready for the coming messiah you're going to have to repent the first new testament message on the day of pentecost was one of repentance It says, quote, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Then you will receive, and not until then, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? When you repent of your sins. The hard part about this is a lot of people have too much pride to admit that they've got sin. And that pride is keeping you from the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. What a terrible trade. What a bad business transaction. That's just a lose-lose. There's no sin worth keeping you from the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And for a believer, if you get in sin, the minute you repent, the Holy Ghost is restored to your heart. The fullness and the joy and the peace of walking with God. But you've got to repent. Amen? And Scripture says that God's will for all mankind, everybody out there, is that they would repent. Listen to this, quote, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anybody to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Do you hear the word there? And the word is is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. 
that if you don't repent, you will be destroyed. If you don't repent, you will be lost eternally. If you don't repent, you will die in your sins. If you do repent, you'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you do repent, you will be covered in the blood and be forgiven and have peace with God. And if you do repent, you will save yourself from destruction. And you know, there are people that won't go to a church that preach the Word like this anymore because they don't want to be convicted. But you know what I know? The best thing you can do for people is preach a word like this. Because anybody out there, like, like people here Sunday, we saw them in the altar, weeping, crying, getting right with God. Their sins being washed away. What a beautiful sight. Every week we're having children born. Every week. And why? Because we're calling people to Jesus to be forgiven and to repent. Repentance is a beautiful word. Now let me tell you some more about repentance. Can you all take a little bit more about repentance? Because we, I don't know about you, but if I read the Word, when I read the Word, I invariably have to say, Lord, forgive me for something. Because the Word is like a light. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of my soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and intents and motivations of my heart. So when I read the Word of God on any given morning, invariably, somewhere along the way, I say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Because the Word is a light. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Is anybody hearing me tonight? We need the Word. And we need to be repenting. We need to repent. Now, what is repentance? First, repentance is not just feeling sorry, remorseful, or conscience-stricken. That's not repentance. That's the first thing that happens in the process of genuine repentance. But repentance is not just feeling sorry. Or remorseful but it is being so troubled in your heart that you begin to live according to God's standards according to God's law in other words you change you say Lord this is wrong and I need you to help me to change I can't change myself but I know you can change me and I'm willing to cooperate with grace to cooperate with your word cooperate with your spirit and I'm asking you to bring change. Lord, I know I need to change. How many of you in here know you need to change? You need to change in your marriage. You need to change in your, in your private devotional life. You need to change in your character. I need change. You need change. We all need change. Okay? True repentance says, man, I'm so troubled about this thing that's off in my life that I'm going to let God change me. Then you've had real repentance. Feeling sorry without changing one's life is not repentance listen to how paul describes what happened to the, the corinthian church following a stinging letter of rebuke from him he sent them a letter and it rebuked them and i want you to look what he says happened to them when they read this letter he says now i am glad i sent my letter of rebuke not because it hurt you but because the pain caused you to repent and do what everyone change your ways it was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way can I tell you a little secret about God your holiness is more important to him than your happiness and you know why because if you get holy you're going to be happy 
Do you hear me now? Because when I say holy, you oh, holy, holy. Well, I don't want to be holy. That sounds religious and denominational and all that. Let me tell you, you're not going to be happy without being holy. And holy just means you're walking in obedience to God. He says, he says I'm not, I don't feel bad that, that the letter I sent made you sorrowful. I wanted you to be sorrowful. But what I'm rejoicing over is it convicted you enough that it brought change and it brought holiness. It brought change into your life, and that's genuine repentance. See, God's, God is out to make you like Jesus, and he's really not concerned as much about your happiness as he is your holiness. Well, doesn't Jesus want me to be happy? Yeah. But you know how he gets there? He gets you holy. Don't, don't shout me down now. Y'all are... We're going to have to edit all this screaming out. I mean, I know it's a popular subject to talk about holiness. You'll find that the writer you get with God, the happier you are. Now, I'm going to say that again. Hear me on this because you've been hardwired to walk with God. And if you're out there on the outskirts walking around the fire just figuring out how much you can sin and get away with it and still be in church and still look Christian, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not happy. I know you're not happy. You're conflicted. You're compromised. But if you say, Lord, I'm selling out completely. I'm diving in. I'm going to give my whole life to you, and I'm going to obey you with every atom of my being. And you start, the more right with him you get, you're going to find bubbling up within you the fullness and the blessing and the power and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Because happiness follows holiness. Jesus said about his commandments, happy are you if you do them. All right, verse 10 goes on and says, listen to what he says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That's God's sorrow. Man, I'm sorrowful for my sin. So sorrowful and convicted about it, I can't stay in it. It's going to lead me to God. That's the kind of sorrow God sends. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But listen to this next phrase. This next phrase has haunted me through the years when I've watched people. He says, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in death. Have you ever noticed when people get sorrowful and, and with the sorrow they have no hope? They have no hope in their sorrow. There's no hope of change. There's no hope of forgiveness. The, the hope eats away, or, or the sorrow eats away at them like a cancer. And it leads them into death. They, they're, they're depressed. They're oppressed. They got no joy. They have no future. They have no, it's just sorrow. That's the worldly sorrow where there's no answer for it. But God's sorrow brings conviction. Conviction brings repentance. Repentance brings turning from and turning towards. And then that kind of repentance brings hope and joy. Are y'all with me? Come on, give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> Very important here. And so which kind of sorrow do you want? Sorrow that brings death or sorrow that brings hope and conviction and repentance and life and rightness with God? So he said, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you when you really repented. Look what it did. 
earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong, you show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. What a powerful word. Whatever it took to make things right, you did it. That's repentance. That's godly repentance. Repentance is not just being stirred or convicted, but genuine repentance brings change. Now here's the principle. The fruits of repentance are visible. They are actions, works that demonstrate a person has actually changed. You tell me somebody has found God, met Jesus, been saved. I'll see it in their life. It'll be more than words. I'll see it. Now, the second thing about repentance is it's not a negative word. It's a hugely positive, hopeful, and blessed word. Repentance removes uh, that which is alienating us from God and destroying our soul. That's all repentance does. It gets the spiritual cancers out of our life. It paves the way for God to bless us. And let me tell you something else about true repentance. It welcomes scrutiny. Now, I've I've worked with people a long time. I've worked with troubled marriages. I've worked with troubled singles. I want to tell you, you begin to see something with people. When repentance is not real, you'll find the person being defensive, not wanting their life to be scrutinized, not wanting to answer questions, still wanting to sort of abide in the shadows. But when somebody has genuinely repented, man, they don't care when or how you come up to them and say, tell me how your life is doing. Tell me if you're still free. Tell me about what God is doing in your life. Show me the reality of your repentance. And they are glad and happy to show you. And they will do anything to show you that they've repented. It's as real as rain. Real repentance welcomes scrutiny. Look what Paul said. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Earnestness, such concern to do what? Clear yourselves. Church, when we have cleared ourselves with God, we have no problem clearing ourselves before men. That's genuine repentance. Here's the principle. True repentance will go a second, third, and fourth mile in order to right a wrong. True repentance will. Show me a spouse. Show me a marriage situation where, uh, you know, there's been trouble. And show me a spouse who's truly repented, and I'll show you a spouse who will go 300 miles to prove it. Oh, y'all are quiet tonight. True repentance is happy to present proof of its reality in someone's heart over and over again if it has to. That's true repentance. You know what? People who have really repented, they're an open book. They're an open book. Open up any page. Read away. I don't care. I'm right with God. I've repented. I'm clear. I've repented. 
Read away any page, any chapter. Go on. Following repentance, we are translated or turned toward the kingdom of God. Read this with me now, would you? Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now I'm going to cover a couple other things real quickly. Can you all take a little bit more? Say, I'm glad you're done with repentance. All right. Let's just look at a couple more things that he has done. I'm going to skip over these pretty quick. First, this also is not talking about later. When he says he's translated us, that doesn't mean we're going to heaven someday. He's talking about right now, in this present life, we have been translated into another kingdom. This isn't sweet by and by verse. He's saying right now, we are translated people. Right now. The phrase kingdom of his son is not talking about a place, heaven. It's talking about a condition. I talk to you about this a lot. It's because I want you to be experiencing. See, when you start experiencing the kingdom of God in a real way daily, you're going to make Jesus so appealing, people are going to start getting saved that you get around. And our message, the message of the church, has got to be more than sweet by and by in the sky when you die. It needs to be right now, if you get saved, it's going to invade your life right now, and you're going to experience the kingdom of God in this life right now, joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's worth being saved if you didn't even go to heaven right now. Look what Jesus said. It says when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when they said, when is the kingdom of God going to come? He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where, everyone? Within you. So he's not talking there about the place called heaven. He's talking about the condition called the kingdom of God. That's very important. And the word is full of stuff on this. Where is the kingdom of God? Here's where the kingdom of God is. It is present wherever God rules with love and grace. If you get up in the morning, you say, Lord, I commit this day to you. Forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I'm reading your word. I'm your child today. I'm going to walk with you. There is the kingdom of God. You can walk the door full of the kingdom of God or full of the world. But wherever his grace is, and love rule that's where his kingdom is paul is telling us what god has done for us in this life now the kingdom of god is the daily experience paul said of righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost isn't that powerful what is the kingdom of god made up of righteousness right living that's what that means right living peace which follows right living and joy which follows peace and there's no mistake they're in that order you won't have peace without right living and you won't have joy without god's peace the kingdom of god is right living peace and joy and anytime you walk in that behold the kingdom of god is within you So 
So you can, you can bubble every day if you want to. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling. What are you so happy about? Well, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've got the kingdom of God within me. His grace and His love are ruling. I'm walking in the Spirit. This is the kingdom of God now. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it's of living a life of right living and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, were you full of the kingdom of God today? Kingdom of God rule your life? I'm learning. I I'm, certainly haven't mastered it, but I've, I'm, I'm learning, no matter what happens around me, to walk in the kingdom of God. No matter what is happening around me, how crazy it may be, I stay steady, Eddie, and I walk in the kingdom of God. You'd be amazed what happens before and after Easter. If you want to talk about warfare, I can tell you the devil unloads on you before and after Easter. Well, he unloaded on me before Easter. I told you I got that cold, that roaring sore throat. Had to go to the doctor on Good Friday. I told you all that. Had my voice preached. We had 1,400 people, a bunch of people saved, 30 people joined the church. Last night, a demonized person faced me. I'm telling you, it was unlike anything I'd, I'd experienced in a while. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You're looking to your right and to your left. Who was it among us? There's <laughs> nobody in this church. I was in a situation, and this situation, uh, I was asked to come in as sort of an intermediary, and I'm going to tell you, it was so demonic. It was so ferocious. When it's actually a demonized person who attacks you, it leaves a, a, a spiritual residue and, and a, a, a heaviness that, that I'm telling you, and this person, you know, I stepped into the, the mediation situation, and this person just unloaded on me. And I know why, because I came into the kingdom of God, and they hated me for it. But it wasn't them hating me. And they just unleashed with words I've never even heard. They made up cuss words while they were going. I'm serious. I, oh, I never heard that one. We're, you know, I was sitting there thinking, I've never heard that. These are brand new. This is coming straight out of the mouth of hell. And here it is. And you know what? I said to myself, the kingdom of God is within me. And this is what Jesus did. You know, the Gadarene demoniac comes at him, falling on his face, demons talking at him. What did Jesus do? He just steady, cool, calm. So I, I just sat. I didn't, didn't respond. I didn't lift, lift my voice. They're screaming, cursing, vile. You say, somebody did that to you, Pastor Jeff? Oh. I felt like I was in a, in a, in a hairspray commercial when I walked out. My hair was, <laughs> it kind of came at me that strong. But I stayed, I just sat there and said, the kingdom of God is within me. Really? Oh, hmm. Okay. Can we be cool here, calm? I'm not rattled. And I just stood there. And I thought, and even after they were gone, I just, well, that was interesting. <laughs> that was interesting. And, and I stayed in the kingdom of God. 
What is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And, and as you grow, you don't let what happens out here affect what is in here. You just don't. Now, sure as I say that, I'll be tested before I get out of the parking lot tonight. But I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm learning it. I'm learning it. I'm learning to say, Holy Spirit, you're within me. This is out here. You are in here. And so I'm walking in the peace and the righteousness and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And nothing out here can take that away from me unless I let it. And I'm learning this. And this is what Paul knew, Peter knew. Now Peter's denying the Lord in front of a little damsel girl. But later, he may lose his head the next morning. And he's in jail. What does he do? He goes to sleep. He's so asleep, an angel's got to hit him with a sword. What's the matter with you, boy? You may get beheaded tomorrow. The kingdom of God is within me. My God's in charge. I've got righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we've got to get here, y'all, because our, our world's going crazy. And you've got to get to where you draw from within and draw from that word and walk with God. And so we have been translated into another kingdom. Let's act like it. Amen? Let's act like it. Can we stand together? I know I'm going to get 300 questions as soon as I say amen. Where was it, Pastor Jeff? I felt a burden for you last night. (laughs) We'll talk about the rest of this next week. Uh, I'll finish what I had tonight. Uh, How many of you, now I'm not telling you when I'm going to do it, but how many of you would be interested in going through Revelations? Would any of you be interested in that? Going through the book of Revelations, not verse by verse, topic by topic, Revelations 1 through 22, would you? Would you really? All right, I'm praying about it. I've done it before, but it's a big undertaking. I'm praying about it. I think it'd be great if we did it again, because I think we there. Amen? All right. Father, we just thank you that we have been translated out of darkness and into the kingdom of your dear Son. And Lord, that kingdom is not only coming when heaven comes, but the kingdom of God has already come. And it is within us. And it is that condition of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to walk in that in all circumstances. And to let that kingdom within us Rule our emotions and rule our heart. And we thank you, Lord God, for what you have done for us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can you lift your hands to the Lord now? I just want you to say, Lord, thank you for the kingdom of God. I can walk in it anytime I want. I receive that kingdom. Help me to lay hold of it and walk in it every day. In Jesus' name, amen.